Um, my name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here at Crestview. Uh, our lead pastor, Devin, is on vacation with his family. I think they're head, headed north to South Dakota area. Don't quote me on that. They may have changed plans or whatever. Uh, but uh, um, I just want to tell you, I'm, I'm excited to be here today. I love the chance to get before you guys and to, and, and to ch- chat a little bit. I don't know if Devin ever runs into this. I'm sure it's uh, maybe a little bit of inexperience or whatever, but uh, I had written a sermon earlier this week. It kind of got to Wednesday, and then it was like, ah, this is not going to work. So um, pretty much wrote another sermon since then. You guys are going to get the second one. I got two. You guys just get one today. So <laughs> unless you guys want to be here an hour, yeah? Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and start with some prayer today. Uh, Lord, I just want to thank you for a chance to come together as a, as a group of believers, as brothers and sisters, uh, to worship you. Lord, we, we, we came this morning to hear your truth and to hear you speak to us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd fill this pl- place and change our hearts because you're the only one who's going to do it. In your name I pray, amen. So there's, uh, we'll, we'll be in John uh, all morning long, so if you guys want to flip, that, uh, flip to that on your, in, your, in your Bible or in, on, your, on your app or whatever, um, but there's a little small piece of scripture that you may have just overlooked in the past uh, from John chapter 18, starting at verse 33. Uh, Jesus was arrested in the final hours of his life. He was arrested by the Jewish leaders who wasn't agreeing with what he was saying. They brought him before the Roman authorities. Pilate, who uh, uh, didn't believe in God, didn't, didn't, wasn't aware of all this Jewish stuff. And this conversation happened between Pilate, the Roman authority, and Jesus himself. Pilate went, went then uh, went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did you, others talk to you about me? A- am I a Jew? Your own people and chief priests hand you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest from the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world, listen to this, was to testify to truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Pilate retorted, what what is truth? You you can kind of, the way he says that, kind of disbelief, truth is kind of made up. There's a bit of cynicism when he asks that question, what is truth? Um, if you guys are around and just open your eyes and listen, you guys can hear that, that same question in today's culture, what is truth? Even 2,000 years later. And that's the question we're going to answer today. What is truth? Or maybe more importantly, why should we care? Why should we care? So um, we, we find ourselves at the end of the Ten Commandments, not, not completely the end, we're on, we're on commandment number nine. Uh, early on, Devin said, you know what, the, the commandments are broken up into two different parts. The first four are about loving God. The second part, the, the second, last six are about loving other people. Jesus, people came to him and said, you know what, what's the most important commandment? Well, if I were to only do one, what would you say? He said, oh, all right, instead of one, you got two. He says, the first is, love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul. He said, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, all the law and the prophets are boiled down to these two things. If you do those two things, you're doing it right. So, Ten Commandments. Uh, Today is is nine. The last six are about loving other people. So, the last commandment 
is we're going to talk more about lying and the need for truth in our lives. But before I get too far in this message, I want to test you guys. I want to just play a quick little game. Uh, we, we've played it in, in the past at uh, something we call Lunch with the Pastors. We, we offer it, oh, quarterly or whatever. I will tell you, this next week, the August 4th at 1215, we're having Lunch with the Pastors. If you're new to Crestview, you, or you've been here a few months, and you want to know more about uh, the, the church staff and how to get involved in, in, in Crestview, uh, joining a group or rooted or anything like that, Love to invite you. Entire family, welcome. It's, it's not like a, a high-pressure sale type of thing. It is just fun, informal, and uh, you're going to have a good time. Your, your kids will as well. But one of, the, one of the games we've played at that Lunch of the Pastors in the past was called Two Truths and a Lie. Anybody ever heard of that? Uh, I'm going to give you three facts about me. Two of them are completely true, and one is an outright lie. Not like a half-truth or a white lie where I'm going to try to trick you. No, it's going to be full-on a lie. Your guys' job is to determine which one of those is the lie. You guys ready? Here we go. First one, I've lived over a year of my life in a tent. So I've lived in a tent for over a year of my life. Um, Second one, in high school, I co-piloted a helicopter. The third one is, I've received 20 stitches on my face. So you guys are looking at my face right now, like, he's kind of ugly, but I I don't know if... uh, so, make your, make your guess right now. I'm going to see a show of hands. If you think it's the first one, like, I've lived in a tent for over a year of my life, is the lie, raise your hand. That's the lie, okay? Okay, second one. If you think the second one, the helicopter, is a lie, raise your hand. Okay? Third one. If you think it's 20 stitches on my face, is a lie, raise your hand. Okay. The lie is, I've never even ridden in a helicopter before. <laughs> So uh, I'll tell you why the first one's true. Um, growing up, uh, I was heavily involved in scouts, backpacking for weeks at a time. Um, uh, actually, I was an Eagle Scout, and I worked at the summer camp staff uh, for three years in a row, and we stayed in tents the entire summer. And so by the time I was probably 18 years old, um, over like 6% of my life was spent living in a tent. So um, uh, the last one, 20 stitches in my face at, at least. So um, cat dog, the ground, um, trying to teach a young scout how to use a baseball bat. Uh, and then in college, right here, um, I was playing soccer with uh, actually the discipleship pastor over at University Christian Church, and we bu- bumped heads. I got the ball, but I also got a split open head. So <laughs> today we're talking about Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, the ninth commandment. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. So the root of this commandment was based out of the Jewish justice system. It was so important because in their day, they didn't have forensic analysis. They didn't have video evidence. What they had was eyewitnesses and the testimony or or the good word of of those witnesses. The way it worked is if two or three people came together, agreed on what happened, and could present the truth... And all those details, the details would be checked out by the judge and a verdict would be rendered in a sentence as well. However, in the chance that there was a false witness, or several of them for that matter, um, and they found out, you know what, that is not true, get this. The false witness would then receive the punishment that was meant for that person they were lying about. So if, if the matter was very small, maybe it was a fine, or maybe they had to give up 
uh, maybe some, some jail time or some of their animals or whatever it might be. But if something, if it was a capital offense, if they accused someone of murder and it wasn't true, it was a lie, they would receive the death penalty. So they, they took this very, very seriously in their time. Being a false witness was not a small matter. So even though the ninth commandment has its roots in kind of that justice system or, or perjury, um, it's widely interpreted, not just that one niche piece of, of lying there, but to encompass all of lying, all of it. So do not lie. It, it, means, it means in everyday life, every person has expectation of telling the truth or speaking the truth in every situation. So thousands of years ago, when this was handed down to the Israelites, truth was a big deal. And it has kept kind of a, a back and forth kind of thing throughout the millennia. But today, I don't know about you, but, but I kind of get the feeling that lies are kind of more accepted than they ever was, than they ever were. Back in the day, maybe a lie was looked down on, a lie was punished. Um, maybe back in the day, if somebody said it, you, you could like set your stake by that person. Or if somebody gave you their handshake, saying, you have my word, you could say, all right, it's already done. That's all I need. However, today, in, in, in our culture, I think you'll... Maybe see a lot. What I see is America's got a truth problem. Anybody else agree? So, American culture has been described by many as quickly becoming post-truth or post-fact, which is a, a weird thing to even say. And I don't know about you, but I, I kind of catch glimpses of this post-truth culture more and more every day. Uh, if, you, if you listen to someone, if a person doesn't like the, 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 how the outcome happened, they'll say, it never even happened. If someone is bothered by what the data says, they'll make up their own numbers, right? If a person is offended by reality, it's, well, it's just not real to me. Or, or if somebody says, well, what's true for you? It's, well, it's not true for me. I, 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 we have a different set of truths, which is ridiculous to say. And you'll see this often in, in, in politics. I, I, don't know, I don't care what side of the, uh, the aisle that you lean on. I, I think both sides are going to fail us. I think, I think Jesus doesn't have a party. However, if you listen to our political leaders often, you, 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 I catch myself thinking, like, now, is any part of what they just said grounded in reality? I mean, like, I can't believe it. Are, are they living in the same world that I am, I, I'm in? Um, and sometimes I just catch myself saying, ah, uh, that's just that leader, or they always say that. I just kind of dismiss it, like, that's ah, not a big deal. They're, they always do that. But it's wrong. Uh, one, more, one more just a little, I don't know about you guys, but I, I kind of feel like the world would be a whole lot better off without Twitter. Anybody else out there? <laughs> but I, I don't want to know what they're thinking all the time, right? And, and most of it is just kind of made up on the spot or, or posturing. But any way you look at it, America has a truth problem. It's very identifiable in politics, and I think it's maybe even crept into our personal lives as well. Before we move on to answering Pilate's question of what is truth, I feel like we need to just briefly touch on what is lies to begin with. So, like I said before, uh, earlier in the week, my previous sermon was all about lying. It was all about um, what is a lie, going different places like, like gossip or, or, or whatever it might be, or, or false teaching, or slander, or, or sharing something that's false on, on Facebook. The, 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 the gamut is wide on that. But I got to think, like, does anybody need to learn how to lie? 
Nobody ever needs to learn how to lie. Like We learn that as a kid. There's this picture I brought today of this kid in Utah. He has his own little spin on like a lemonade stand, right? And people saw this sign and they're like, hey, kids can't sell beer. And so they called the cops. The cops came out like in force. There's like five or six of them. And they saw, you probably can't see it, but right above the word beer is the word root. The IBC root. So there's the bottles, people were like freaking out that he was like selling beer le- legitimately. And, and the, the, uh, the uh, cops came out, they posted on, on their uh, Instagram page and said, you know what, nobody's breaking the law. However, you don't, he didn't need to be taught to lie. It just kind of came out naturally. He was kind of, it might be clever marketing or whatever. <laughs> but nobody needs to be taught to lie. And you guys know what a lie is. So my, my first sermon went a lot like, hey, lying's a sin, now stop it, okay? So this one's just a little bit different. It's a take a look in, a, a, at truth. In the Garen household, we have three rules. We kind of try to keep it as simple as possible. And uh, the, the first rule is work hard. Second one, speak the truth. And the third is respect others, starting with your mother. If you, if you kind of think about it, Everything is kind of wrapped up in those three rules. Everything kind of applies to those three rules. When it comes to speaking the truth, it, it just doesn't speak out against an outright lie. Like, if, what, if, if, if one of my sons is caught in an outright lie, of course, that's against our rule of speaking the truth. But other things that, that might be involved as well, like deception. Um, transparency is big in our house. We, we have the, the internet in a, in a central place, and, and only in that place right there. Uh, some other things that fall under that, that category of speaking the truth is they, they shouldn't swipe out on an app when we walk in the, ro- in the room. Uh, another one is they shouldn't delete browsing history. Another one is they shouldn't tell us, when I ask a question, they shouldn't tell us what we think we want to hear. Or it's, it's true, but it's not really the question you ask. That, that is all wrapped up when it comes to speaking the truth. And I think you guys know that. Misleading, covering up, all those things. Like I said before, the ninth commandment means don't lie, but I, I don't want to spend our time here today because we all know what lies is and they happen too often with very little remorse. We've come, become comfortable with lying. I want to move here from, from here on talking about what is truth. If, if you're uh, not taking notes, I just want to encourage you at least write this one thing down, this, this next thing. It is a solid definition of truth. I want, to take, I want you to take it with you when you leave today and write this down on the back of your bulletin. There's a, there's a pen in front of you. This is it. When I was looking around for uh, definitions for truth, this is the best I found. It, it was uh, come up by, by John MacArthur. He's a pastor, and, uh, and he wrote this in his book. Truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. Even more to the point, Truth is the self-expression of God. I know it's a long quote, well worth it. I'm going to say it one more time. Truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. Even more to the point, truth is the self-expression of God. Now this is the best definition of truth that I found. Uh, I went to Oxford, Oxford Dictionary, looked it up. Sure enough, it said, truth is the state of being true. (laughs) Thanks for nothing, Oxford. (laughs) Right? 
Like, could you be like? Could you not just be a little more politically correct there? Truth, truth is a self, uh, state of being of being true. All right, they didn't even help it a little bit. But this definition, truth is a self-expression of God. I want to make you question. I, I want to stick with you. I, I want you to think: Is that even right? I want you to think about this the coming week. It's the self-expression of who God is. But now that we have a great definition of, uh, working definition of truth, I just want to just double check it against the scriptures to make sure this is biblical. And again, we'll be in, in the book of John. Chapter 17, verse 3 says this. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is a prayer, actually. Kind of cool thing. God is praying for his disciples and also the people to come after his disciples, which is us. And this is part of Jesus' prayer for us, that, that we would know who God is in Jesus Christ, but know the true God. If you look in the Old Testament, all through the Old Testament, not only in this verse, but it refers to God as the true God or the God of truth. That's who he is. I mean, truth comes exactly from who God is. John 14, just a few chapters before that. You may have heard it before. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in in John 14, this is significant because it comes as one of several I am statements from uh, from Jesus. In, In the Old Testament, God said his name was I am. So when Jesus had an I am statement, he was pointing to I am truth the same way that God the Father is truth. And when he's saying, I am truth, he was actually saying, you know what? I am God in human form. He was revealing that truth to his followers. John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus didn't stop at saying that God was truth, that Jesus was truth. He just also went on to say that their very words were truth. Not that the Bible has you know, nuggets of truth or some good stories or some whatever it is. No, the entire thing is, is God breathed, it's inspired, it's inerrant, it has, it's without errors, and it is full on truth. And if you read that, it says, sanctify, sanctify them by your truth and your word. So sanctify, it's just a, uh, a Christian word, maybe we don't use as often as we need to. A Christian word that, that means change us to become more like Jesus. That's how, sanctification, that, that's the process of becoming more like Jesus. And that truth that's found in his word and in God himself, that's what changes us to make us look more like Christ. So truth is the self-expression of God. Listen, everything about God, all that he says, all that he does, all that he is, the process by which he changes us is truth. So that makes lying more than just a sin. More than just something, ah, we probably shouldn't do that. It, it has a lot of weight to it. The stakes are higher. Because think of it this way. When we don't choose truth in our life, we choose to reject God himself. We choose to reject all that he is, all that he says, and all that he does. We choose to reject the way that he changes our life to look more like Christ. To wrap things up this morning, I just want to give you just a few of the nuggets. I just kind of glanced over the, the Gospels 
and came up with a few of the things that, that Jesus said that was truth. He was, he was the most truthful person in history. It wasn't like George Washington or Honest Abe. It was Jesus, God in human form. When you read through some of the Gospels, I don't know about you, but I'm like, wait a second, did Jesus really say that? I can't, man, doesn't he know that it's not very nice to say those things? But listen, listen to the truth that he said to some people. He said to sinners, go and sin no more. He'd walk up to somebody and say, you know what? This is what you're doing. It's not right. You need to go a different direction. You need to repent and turn to God. To religious leaders of the day, he pulled no punches. He minced no words. In his addresses to those people, to the Pharisees and the scribes, he said, all right, here's what you are. You're like whitewashed tombs. Like you look good on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. You're fools. You're like a brood of vipers. You're blind guides. To his disciples, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Yes, I think he was using some hyperbole, but he's saying, you know what? Christ comes first, everything else is a distant second. To Peter, one of his closest disciples, one time he said, hey, get behind me, Satan. Another time he said, you know what? You're going to deny me three times. To a woman he had just met, he said, the fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you're with now, he's not your husband. And he went on to, to tell her about living water. To another woman caught in adultery, he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sit no more. To the crowds, he looked in the eyes he said, you know what? You know, God is perfect. I want you to be perfect. Like how, I'm sure at the time they're like, how can I even come close to being as perfect as God? <laughs> to a woman begging for her daughter's healing, get this one. I, I still can't believe he said it. So she comes to him and asks for healing for her, for her daughter. Like, sounds like a legitimate request, but she's a Gentile. She's not a Jew. And she came to him asking for help. And he said, you know what? I came for the Jews. It's not right to give, uh, give food that was meant for the children, the Jewish people, and give it to the dogs. I'm like, did, she, did he just refer to her and all of her people as dogs? She doubled down and said, you know what? I know that you can heal her, and even dogs get scraps from the table. And he's like, all right, now that's faith. He loved that. This is the last one that gets me. It keeps me up at night. When Jesus said, in the future those who are self-deceived and think they were followers of Christ, Jesus will say, I never knew you. Away from you, evildoers. Now, I understand some of these verses might be foreign. We may not talk about some of these hard things that Jesus said, the truth that Jesus said, enough. And the reality is, each one of these verses and passages probably could deserve their own sermon. I just want to, Let's just go ahead and say that no one has ever accused Jesus of being politically, politically correct, right? He always said the, the way things were. And I think the reason he did that, because he knew it wasn't just a matter of offending people. He knew that eternal life was on the line. He didn't want people to go around and think they were doing what, he, what they need to be doing. He needed to call them out in their sin, wherever they were, and said, come to me. So friends... Out of all the examples I gave you, 
there were two responses. Variations of two responses. On one hand, some of them just got mad at him, rejected the truth. In the other group, they said, you know what? You're right. I'm going to repent and turn to God. And on one group of people, they said, no way. We're going to find a way to kill you. And they did. The other group said, you know what? Even if it means death, I will follow you. And for a lot of them, it meant death. As, as a church, as a group of believers, we have a decision to make. Are, are we going to be people of the truth? People of God and his self-expression of himself? Or are we not? Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you for a chance to come together. Lord, I thank you for the, the, the hard words that we heard today. I pray that we would be uh, encouraged to look more into them. To wonder why you said it like you did. Lord, I pray that we would just not stop lying and being deceiving. Lord, but we would be people of the truth. Because that's what you are and that's what you do. Lord, in your name I pray. Amen.